You are listening to Particular Pilgrims, stories from Reformed Baptist history with commentary. I'm your host, Ron Miller, pastor of Covenant Baptist Church of Clarksville, Tennessee, and a longtime student and collector of Particular Baptist history. We are on the Man of God Network, brought to you by Covenant Baptist Theological Seminary. In presenting the life of Benjamin Francis, I previously mentioned that there's not a lot of information about the rural Baptist church he pastored in Horsley. But as I continued to research, I found a modern social study of religion and society for that area of England that's called the Vale of Naysworth. Horsley is one of the communities in the Vale, along with Shortwood, Minchinhampton, Avening, and of course, Nailsworth. This is in what is today called the Cotswold region of Gloucestershire in western England, northeast of Bristol and south of Gloucester. The book I'm referring to is called Religion and Society in a Cotswold Vale by Albion Erdank. It's from 1990. It takes an in-depth look at two dissenting congregations near Nailsworth. One was the Quaker meeting, and the other was the Shortwood Baptist Church. The book explores the economic and social changes that took place around these two dissenting communities from 1758 to 1840. Of course, 1758 is the year that Benjamin Francis was ordained pastor of the Baptist congregation in Horsley. It turns out that the church has a long history, and as one of its buildings was later erected in Shortwood, the Horsley Baptist Church later went by that name, the Shortwood Baptist Church. This opened up a wealth of church-related data for me. Like many academic works of this type, the book is a technical study of the societal changes in this fairly insulated part of England. It tracks the economic, political, and class history of the area, as well as its dissenting religious story. For the Baptist historian, this makes for a combination of very dull and thrilling reading. But since Erdank's focus is on the Baptist church, he brings to light a wealth of data about its church practices and people that are not a typical part of individual church histories. I find these kinds of details fascinating because they help us reconstruct a fuller view of what real particular Baptist life was like in a specific church. It shows the social forces which impacted it for better or worse over its years and how they responded. And it showcases many ordinary members and not only the pastors. It is often the case that economic and social historians don't understand historic Protestant, Calvinistic, or Baptist doctrine and practice. There is much evidence of that in this book. But this shouldn't detract us from appreciating the other aspects of Shortwood's church history found here. And in this episode, and at least one more, I want to share a selected set of these details. Some will immediately resonate with you as recognizable to your own Reformed Baptist experience, but others will seem foreign or misguided. So let's begin. Shortwood is immediately next to Nailsworth, a village whose name means 
wool market. So we aren't surprised to learn that this area was the center of the woolen cloth trade for England from the 12th century to the 19th. The majority of the population worked at this for long hours, six days a week at home, and later in local mills and factories. Some people were laborers, others were cutters, spinners, and weavers, as well as master weavers and clothiers. And most of them also worked in their home gardens or small farms. The Baptist Church membership was largely made up of these folks throughout its history, which ended a separate existence in the 1960s. This explains why Benjamin Francis could refer to his membership as, quote, poor and plain. The church was initially formed as a particular Baptist one after a break with the Congregationalists in 1707. The Congregationalists had first met in the woods in the early 1660s, then erected a meeting house in 1668, and as persecution eased, built a more public one in 1687. By this point, they had left both the Church of England and Presbyterianism. They held to open communion. This meant that Puritan-leaning Anglicans and Calvinistic Baptists were part of their body. But in 1707, a new minister, a Dr. Giles, replaced the first pastor who had just died. Dr. Giles was said to, quote, preach up the Presbyterian scheme, end quote, which meant he was emphasizing infant baptism, but also Richard Baxter's ideas about election, justification, and universal atonement. This Baxterianism became too much for two weavers from Horsley named William Harding and John Horwood. So they decided to visit the particular Baptist church at King's Stanley, a few miles northwest. There they were strengthened in their Calvinistic and confessional understanding of salvation, along with believers' baptism. After a number of months of discussion and preaching by Dr. Giles, 50 members left the Congregational Church. They initially met at Harding's home, and by 1716 had put up a small meeting house. The original deed to the building shows that seven of the men were weavers, one a cloth worker, and one a mason. These were lower, middle-class people. But in that era, they had to have patrons for this deed, and these were middle and upper-class men. Few, if any, were Baptists, and it illustrates the combination of a remaining Puritan influence and the religious broad-mindedness that had historically pervaded the region. The congregation had 13 members when the building was completed. Over the next 16 years, 12 more persons joined in membership. But as mid-century approached, 54 more were added. They were of an evangelical mindset, approving of the work of the preachers involved in the Great Awakening, or as it was called in England, the Evangelical Revival. In 1752, a pastor named Samuel Bowen ministered to the church. As he was installed, he proposed that they, quote, endeavor to make the ordinance of singing more general. This presumably means that they were not a singing church before that, as was still true of many Baptist churches. 
They appear to have agreed in principle, but the practice didn't catch on, and he left in 1757. It was at this point that Benjamin Francis becomes their pastor. And at this time, the church is still known as the Horsley Baptist Church. During Bowen's time as minister, the church recorded their doctrinal beliefs in the following language, espousing, quote, a confession of faith put forward by our brethren in the year 1689, especially the doctrine of the Blessed Trinity, eternal personal election, particular redemption, salvation alone by Christ, efficacious grace of God, and the final perseverance of the saints. Clearly, they were a staunch particular Baptist congregation, emphasizing their biblical understanding in opposition to the earlier Baxternianism and growing rationalism of the day. They entered into a formal church covenant on July 20th, 1735. This was reprinted 120 years later and appears to have served as the basis for their commitment to each other through that time. It consisted of 12 short paragraphs of one sentence each. In it, they promised to, quote, walk together in one body as near as may be with one mind, in all saint-like love to each other. Also included was the duty of defending their faith and practice of the ordinances against all opposers. Clearly, they were convinced Baptists. The rest of the covenant is a lovely statement of purposing to sympathize and help each other in all of the circumstances of life. Their view of the Sabbath is also plain in this document. They promise to, quote, attend the meetings constantly that are appointed by the church, both on the Lord's Day and other days, nothing hindering except distance, sickness, and the works of necessity and mercy. They obviously knew their confession. Finally, in the covenant, any who were called, quote, single persons, pledged, quote, never to enter into conjugal bonds with any that are unbelievers. For we believe it a sin to be unequally yoked, that it is contrary to the rule of Christ and the ready way to hinder our soul's peace, growth, and welfare. Some Baptist churches, especially the generals, would only permit their members to marry within their specific group or sometimes even their own church. But this rule shows, and it's confirmed later in the writings of Benjamin Francis, that they allowed their Baptist members to marry anyone who they thought was truly born again. All this illustrates a proper view of holding to their own ordinances while recognizing that a true Christian might differ in their understanding of them. Well, next time we'll look at some of the people and events, both ordinary and unusual, that occurred amongst them. Thank you for listening today. This is Ron the Baptist, wishing you grace and peace.